0: Hello and welcome to the second edition of the Two Halves podcast. I'm joined with a special guest this week, Abdullah, would you like to say hello?
1: Hello everyone. I've got, um, just to say in it, just so we, we, we could tell them the settings, there's Blackpool and Blackburn. Blackburn? It's QPR, isn't it? Same colours, isn't it? All of that, it's the same. We've got that in the background right now, so it's it's good settings, this. So so if you see if you hear Abdullah, Abdullah shout right now, it
0: means led has got us. Yeah, laird had us. He's had an absolute be
1: belter at the back post.
0: Uh, it's what? a pleasure to have you on, bro. Nice um, one, bro. Thank you. It's, no worries. It's a no pleasure worries, being it's, on. It's uh, been another another big week uh, of, of uh, football, of uh, NFL as well this week. Um, how have you been this week watching everything unfold?
1: You've been good? Nah, bro. Uh, let's let's this week innit? it like last week i mean sun, saturday, sunday saturday sunday's last week innit? it so uh right now it's monday so let's not talk about the weekend <laughs> I, I enjoyed last night's i enjoyed last night's football but um yeah last week we're not talking about last week right now so yeah
0: let's get let's get straight into it then um so um like we said we're going to be reviewing the first couple of weeks of premier league action we've also had the other leagues kicking off their seasons uh this weekend as well Chelsea Spurs throwback game, we'll be discussing all the fallout from that game. Um, the elephant in the room for me and Abdullah, uh, Man United, uh, where do they go from there, the problems um, and the challenges that Hag has to face. And a little bit on uh, Pep Guardiola's comments uh, that slipped under the radar ahead of the weekend. Um, a quick roundup of the NFL uh, preseason kicking off there with some interesting points being made. And uh, a quick round-up of some NBA news, even though it's been another quiet week. Abdullah. Um, Chelsea Spurs, your thoughts on the game?
1: Um, Very good game of football, I think. Two great managers. Um, very, very, very interesting game of football, I'd say. I, I thought Chelsea did very well. I think Chelsea just seemed to have Tottenham's number, no matter who the manager is in the last couple of seasons, if I'm not wrong, I always feel like they always have one. They always over seem Tottenham. to beat them. Yeah, especially with Tuchel. I feel even when Tottenham were in good form, Chelsea would just turn up. And but that was, to be honest, people spoke a lot about the celebrations. In the end, you see that on Twitter, you know, with Tottenham and stuff. But you sort of understand it, don't you? Because it was a big result, and um, especially with Kane, the one scoring it.
0: Hundred percent. What I I thought. I thought what we saw is th- almost the opposite of the stereotype of Spurs. The stereotype of Spurs is a team that bottles it, that gives it away. To see a Spurs team come back from behind twice to get to get even just a draw was was interesting. Very I think good that's result. The Conte effect.
1: They they shouldn't have won that at all. To be honest, if we're being honest, like I'll say completely because I think Kane had a chance, didn't he? Um, which was which was very good movement from him to anticipate, and that, and that's why he's one of the greatest strikers we we've ever seen in the game. To be honest, like especially in the Premier League, because that anticipation and, and we know what he can do in terms of dropping deep and knocking that ball into behind to, in behind to Son. But we didn't see a lot of that in the game, did we? we, we I don't we, think we've seen a lot of that in the first two games, to be fair. I, I think his, his link-up's been a lot more in close quarters and I think Conte's doing the right thing because he wants him in goal-scoring positions more. He's now got Benton Carr, who's a decent progressor from deep. Heuberg is a solid defensive midfielder and he still provides that as well and a, a brilliant by the way fantastic finish from him. Yeah, that was a that was a crazy I'm, I'm finish a massive from massive fan, massive fan of Heuberg. He's very underrated in my opinion as a defensive I midfielder. I think he's I think he's one of the best in his role in Europe if I'm honest and I don't think that's even a stretch to say. I think in terms of like a 2 man and and we know that system that Conte likes to play. We're going to get onto Man United and and actually why I like that system and why it's one of my favorite systems in Europe the way you adapt that back three in the two man midfield that's not really having any sitters we'll get onto that especially I'll break it down with United later on the show but in terms of the way tottenham do it i think conte we've seen that kante matic worked very well even Fab- Fabregas found himself in the mix in that system as well and i think it's easier to adapt players in that in that role and when you get it when you get it right you know it's perfect because you almost need that two way tight midfielder um, style, I think, when you're using that system, Heiberg does it very well. Basuma's an option there for them who can step in for Benton. Or step or step in for Heiberg. He come on in the end. Um, obviously, a lot of controversy. We can't go past that. I just think, I think Anton, Anthony Taylor had an absolute stinker. If I'm honest, the um, the
0: cook. I I genuinely still don't know how that 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 Paul and Cucurella wasn't wasn't given. That was that was a shocker for me. Do you, do you know what, one of the Weirdly one of the main points I I I had about the game was how good Chelsea were <clears throat> because I I think a lot of people didn't have them in their top 4 for this season um and that first game really didn't kind of put anyone on notice against Everton it was yeah. it was it was kind of a a mid performance but that that control that they had against Spurs was was genuinely genuinely something that surprised me and you know like you said to a top coach but it's uh, with, with the gaps that they still have in that team and the level of control they had, you just have to think that if they manage to close them gaps before the end of the transfer window, they, they genuinely could be a challenge to, to, to the top two, especially if they get Fafana to complete that defence um, as well as a striker. We don't know what's happening with the striker position. Obviously, looking at Anthony Gordon, who you know I'm not sure about for, for that kind of money. But do, do you think that there's a chance if Chelsea... Fill in the gaps as they should. They can kind of push for that title.
1: Um, my issue with Chelsea, and, and I'll say this with Chelsea. Yeah, I said this last season. This is a bit of a crazy statement, but I think Chelsea are the best team in Europe when facing a top side. And I know wow. obviously they got knocked out against you mean the Real quality Madrid. of the opposition that they face. Just in terms of the way they actually create chances against the bigger sides, Chelsea created. Insanely high quality chances over two games against Liverpool. In those, was it two finals or was it? Yeah, it was the two finals. They obviously
0: Liverpool didn't even score a single goal
1: against them in them as well. So over them two finals, Chelsea, I think, could have easily got the result in both games. The way they opened up Liverpool, I've not seen anyone do, to be honest, really. In the way they did, and even City last season didn't do that. Um, What'd you put that down to? I think it's just that they adapt in these ga- big games. I don't know what it is, but it just seems to suit the way they played. I don't know what I don't know why it maybe it's a spark in, in the team, but they they seem to just it does happen. you see sometimes some of these big teams where they'll struggle a lot of the time. obviously they only beat Everton one nil the week before. um even Everton had a couple okay chances. they weren't as dominant, I would even say they weren't as like. Of stamping their authority as much on the game, of course. Given you know had Kalabali having his debut, Sterling and whatnot. Kalabali looked absolutely incredible. Kalabali like, absolutely fantastic. finally happy to see him in the well, Premier one, League. One of the best centre backs in the last ten, fifteen years in the game. Like he's incredible, and and it's a bit sad, like how with Kalabali he's come to the Premier League a bit late. But again, that's if they got like it's uh, Italian the Italian clubs
0: and and their and their transfer. A stubborn uh, quests, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I will find it interesting. I think, I think Wesley Fofana, whether they break the record or not, I think gives them a bit of a bit of youth in that defense, especially with Thiago Silva and Kalibali kind of on the older side. You can maybe rest one of them at a time. Um, they've got very good interchangeable wing backs. Reese James is is gonna, in my opinion, Reese James is gonna take that step now. Where he he overtakes Trent, as I know you love Trent, but in my opinion, I think as a complete player, yeah. I think he can take a step now. Where I he, think he I think reese James has
1: always been, I think a lot of the time, you'll agree with this probably on me with me, like back in the day where people like Rhys James was just a mix of what when one Basaka was, in yeah, yeah, it was it like almost easy, in it, it was, it was
0: too easy to say rather but
1: than I think it almost discredits reese James here because reese James, you know, he'll drive into the center sometimes, he'll take authority, then. He drives into this certain area of the box where he just arrives at the back post at the right time. He's more time, of a scorer, creating isn't the he? has yeah, more of a scorer than an assist. But what I like about Rhys James is forget the whole on the ball thing or like being a good defensive player. Like Rhys James sums up what your modern player should be and especially a fullback. Understanding space very, very well. And that is why him and Trent are so on top of the game, like on top of their game, like in terms of, you know, when Liverpool have got the ball, when they've got complete control. There's just games where you see no hope sometimes for Liverpool last season. Like Villarreal away, everything's shut off. Ball comes out to Trent, game changes. Yeah, I think and you had him in your I think Reece you had Reese
0: James in your best um best eleven in the, uh, under the age of twenty three, didn't you?
1: Yeah, and, and for me Reese James is an absolutely incredible player. He's his all rounder, he's one of the best fullbacks to come out in the last few seasons, of course. It's going um, to be interesting to see how he, yeah, uh, it will, it will he pushes on. It will be interesting on. how to play out. And I think especially for England, in the World Cup, how does Southgate use him? Um, if I had to push you now,
0: Spurs, Chelsea, who's finishing ahead?
1: Um, I'm going to go... It's so difficult. I think both teams are going to have a very, very good season. I, Whenever I rated, and I did say, there is a chance that Tottenham could win the league. And I was very honest. Like I honestly believe that because I felt Conte when he when he's got his setup, when he's got his eleven, when he's got that midfield two that he wants, when he's got the rotation right, when he's got reliable forwards. Which does it get more reliable than Kane and Son really in European football other than Benzema's, Lewandowski's? But Champions League football is a Ooh, big, that's an big interesting pro- one, that right? is my point. It's Champions yeah. League football, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why I'm going to go Chelsea because I feel like. Anthony Gordon, I'll touch on him very quickly. I think he is a good signing, actually, for Chelsea. Insane amounts of money, but that's the game now. And the reason I actually think that's because he's, he's a player who plays with it, with aggressiveness, who likes to take his man on. He He's almost like Mason Mount in a style, but more he can do that off the more right. More direct. More direct with his shooting, especially, and, and good delivery of the ball. If he's replacing Ziyech, which we're looking at, yeah, Ziyech may be moving. Yeah, it's either ZH yeah,
0: it or Pulisic they're saying, uh, are they?
1: Exactly. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say Chelsea will finish above solely down to the Champions League thing. That's, that's a good point. I didn't Both really consider it. Um, what I will say is, the more I
0: think about Spurs and the way they're building their squad, none of the signings are starting in any of the se- these games. But the more I think about it, the more I think we will know more about Spurs after the World Cup because they are building a squad rather than an eleven. Um, and I think in a season where the squad game matters more, I think we will we'll probably see, see more of them later on. Um, moving on to Saturday evening. Um, quite a depressing depressing 90 minutes for, for me and you. I watched it with a Liverpool fan and an Arsenal fan. I wanted to walk out of the room after half an hour. I, I, we've heard all the Glazer talk in the last two, three days. And all of that is true and nothing's going to change until the Glazers leave and so on and so on and, and we understand that. But we have to accept the reality that they're not going to sell. So what I want to focus on is how do Manchester United and how does Eric Ten Hag specifically get the best out of this team and squad despite the Glazers? So how, what does he have to do going forward? Because we've seen the problems in the first two games. They've been very apparent. But we've also seen some positives, and I don't want to be overly negative in in the show. Even going forward, we have seen some signs of how he wanted to play, especially in the Brighton game. What are your general thoughts on Manchester United in the, in these first two games, um, and how do they go about getting the best out of this season?
1: I think that there's just so many topics to talk about United, and you could just break it down. Yeah, you could I'll, spend twenty four hours on honestly, it. Honestly, you can you can you can spend like twenty four hours, but. Bro, I just think this team, rather than what most people talk about in terms of, you know, and rightly so, because fans are frustrated and, and that's all you're going to speak about, you know, the, the owners fixing things and getting the glazes out, Ten Hag not getting his signings. What does Ten Hag do? Because now that's the situation you got to be in now. Does he adapt? Does he, you know, does he just continue doing what he does? Yeah, especially I in believe- games like
0: Liverpool where you know you could not adapt and get absolutely smashed or try and and just say okay for this game
1: let's damage limitation uh, and move on after and and i believe adapting isn't i don't see what my what i'm about to say about using the back three i don't see it as adapting because i actually believe just as we see with tuchel at chelsea he didn't tuchel didn't really use a back three at psg to my knowledge like i've watched quite i always watched quite a lot of psg you know, to my knowledge, I don't think Tuchel really was playing a back three like that. Maybe I don't think so. I don't, even, I don't even really remember him doing it at Dalton Dortmund, I either. was going to say. So maybe I've missed some games here and there. But he may be adapted, maybe, you know, just in terms because he had a couple of players at like Aspi and so on and so forth. And, and he's seen Rudiger as a better, better fit when he's in a back three. And we've seen the outcome of that. Man United in build-up. You've got Martinez on the left-hand side. We know that he can ping a pass. And we know the whole, by the way, BS analysis that we've seen from the likes of Jamie Carragher, where it's just a nothing point just because Twitter's making that point. So he felt like jumping on it, Yeah, the, is quite disappointing. Martin is height. It's quite point. disappointing at the top level of, you know, football presenting and, and, and football hosting when it's on a, a channel like Sky, where you've got someone like Carragher coming out and feeding into that narrative. It's quite a shocking analysis, in my opinion, um, especially from a defender. And a man who's played this game at the top point, level, who's yeah. played the Champions League final, He knows how the game goes, He's played at the highest level of football. So I thought that was pretty stinky, to be honest. Like, how are you spending your, your, the evening on on on, a, on Sky? It was, a, it was Monday Night Football, wasn't it, where he was talking about it. So I, I don't get that, to be honest. It was, there was there's, It's a nothing point. I don't even want to go over it, but Martinez so was targeted, like in a back supposedly.
0: Three in the back three, that Martinez might, might look better as well. You
1: Martinez think? in build-up, it's nothing to... Every t- this whole thing about him being targeted I mean, against Brentford, they did try target him, but they failed. Yeah, because he, he was dealt with his everything area quite he, well, to be fair. He dealt with everything. He knew when to step in, when to drop out. It, I don't even want to, you know, overanalyze it. But in build-up, in terms of, you know, being able to come out of the, 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 the defensive um, third a lot smoother, I think Man United will actually look really good in that sense if we play a back three. Um, you know, let's say it's a Martinez, Maguire, Varane. All, all all, capable enough of playing on the ball to a decent level and finding a pass to be honest i think varan obviously uh, hasn't really got the the passing range you he can has, play you he can he has, play has, Varane as
0: the central one and then uh maguire and martin as either side for the ball playing ability
1: yeah and and i think varan's saying that Varane's actually got underrated like when he gets the ball on his left foot we've seen it a couple of times when he first joined his last season before his injury he actually allows united to escape quickly from defence and play out when under pressure because he's actually got a decent weak it's, foot it's very when playing and wide and i noticed yeah because that that's that experience that he's had at real madrid and and but then it's the, it's always the problems are not always going to go down to the midfield i tweeted this you know today and i said you can sign who you want up front sign who you want in defence do whatever you want sign messi sign maradona in his prime sign whoever you want you're not you're not sorting this midfield out there's gonna be no <laughs> difference i promise you i promise you you can sign who you want i'll give you whatever you want right now in this team sign any dif- sign the best back four you can sign if you can't change that goalkeeper which we're gonna get on get onto yeah you can't change that midfield that as that the midfield. biggest thing you got a midfield who caused turnovers every single time bro two minutes whoever plays by the way whoever fred mctomedy erickson even the like, ball doesn't hold we know he's on he's new but but like but, to say, but that's the point then again that's the point we go to because you know Ericsson's appreciation of the ball and how smooth he is but you're when you're putting it a guy uh, around guys who who just want to get rid of the ball who are mentally done because they don't want to cause a mistake as it shows with again the goalkeeper it's, it's a joke, bro. And, and I just feel like when you're causing that many turnovers and putting your defence in that much pressure, your defence can't focus throughout the game in terms of how we're going to play out, what we do. They're always they're worried, aren't they? They're always, they're they're always, always panicking. Worried. And I think that's why a lot of the time when you want to analyse the goals we concede, conceded six this season already in two games. How many of them, let's be honest, let's be fully honest and put your whole agendas aside. How many of them can you actually go this is, defense. this is the defence. This is the defence. I genuinely, I genuinely
0: think, one, that you can blame on the defence. I, I, times, I like don't think the first two... He, sh- he
1: should have caught him at the back, but the fullback should have caught him at the back post. He should have this, this and that. There are some good points here. Yeah, they could do better there. But trust me, bro, if you slap like Cancelo, Trent, any of these guys, they're, they're going to have they're the same struggling. exact problem. They're gonna, it's going to be the same issue. There's going to be no difference. The issue is down into that midfield. And I think that, to finish my point off, with the back three... I just believe going into into next next week's game, I actually think let's start because it's not just adapting. I think it should be one of the options as you can play. Play a two-way midfield. You know, I don't know how he does that. Is it going to be, unfortunately, just because of stylistically how he fits in, it's probably going to end up being McTominay as much as you don't want it to be. And it's going to be probably like Ericsson alongside him or it's going to be McTominay and Fred. But just in terms of, you know, playing out from the back, and finding th- those passes in the final third a lot easier, and I think also playing Bruno in the final line. I think Bruno playing maybe that Mason Martin role that we see I at Chelsea Bruno's would be more, a lot has, more suited.
0: I think I think Bruno's game has been taken away from by playing him deeper. Um, I want to. Uh, one of the points you made was really good, the Martinez point, and the criticism that people are already trying to force on him. And let me add to that. The the criticism that people are trying to force on Jadon Sancho as well. It comes back to a point that you've made many times to me. We can continue to scapegoat and blame players every season, season in, season out. This season, it's already Sancho and Martinez in the first two games. Last season, it was Maguire, Rashford, uh, McTominay, whoever it might be. The season before, it was Martial and so on and so on and so on. Maybe these players are having bad seasons, which they are. No one is disputing that. But... Isn't it interesting that it's always the players? It's always the players. Gary Neville made an amazing point yesterday. He said, if you have a school and the students don't perform one year, you can blame it on the students. If it's a 10-year period and the students aren't performing, the government blames it on the, on the school, not on the, on, the, on the students. And I think we're getting to that point now. I think, like you said on the goals, you highlighted the midfield. We need to highlight the goalkeeper. Now, I, one of the things I want to do with this show us be balanced and the the reality is the reality is as bad as being hyperbolic david de gea is no longer a world-class goalkeeper he's no longer elite he's no longer very good he has his day david de gea the, the sad thing about him for me is this if it was a case of the game has moved on and become more modern and he hasn't moved on with it that would almost be acceptable for me it's the fact that the one thing he was world class at, he is no longer good at, and that's shot stopping. And I, I, was watching, I watched that first goal again um, in the game, and what I notice is players are getting their shots off early against him before he has time to set his feet. David De Gea in his current form isn't good enough to challenge for a league title, that's the reality of it. And me and you have been saying it for a year, and we've been mocked for it by a lot of people. And there's the Dean Henderson point, which we will come up to. But the problem with David De Gea is when you have a goalkeeper who's so panicky on the ball, who should be part of a back three himself in a Ten Hag system, and he doesn't have the ability to play the ball like a ball-playing goalkeeper, he puts his team under pressure. He becomes a pressing trigger. And I think what we've seen is one, two, three, at least four of the goals that we've conceded are down to him because of that. What do you think the solution is? Because the reality is we're not going to be dropping him this
1: season. He's going to play. David De Gea is, I think, at any serious club. Again, just like many of our players, misprofiled in terms of when the game was moving on, what type of keeper he is, Let's let's just go back to the point of Ollie's one hundred percent got to take some blame. Oh, absolutely, and them. you know me, I'm and, Ollie's. And Ra- I was I- Ollie's biggest fan
0: until the very end, and, and Ralph. Fragnick. But I blame Ollie for Dean Henderson not being number one. the whole moment. coming
1: back from COVID and da da da. Then if you told him you were starting the season, do you know what's funny about that? I went to a game at Old Trafford last season where we lost to West Ham in the FA Cup, and I actually thought I had a very great performance in that game. Made some brilliant stops. For someone who wasn't having any game time, I think it was earlier. It was earlier in the season. I don't understand like this whole fear of this. This goes to the whole point, by the way. That uh, point that I want, a side point I want to make quickly because it relates to De Gea It's something that me and the guys at work have been speaking about actually this week, and we were saying how you know when Chelsea like signed Lukaku, hundred mil didn't work out. Season after. Pfft, Gone, whatever, gone. No messing around, no messing around at all. Pep Guardiola, Claudio Bravo, exactly. Bravo as a, as a key, for example. Man United, when they make a transfer mistake, and because they, 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 those mistakes occur because a lot of the time, because of the way that they're building the squad, they're not building it around for you know, they're not building it for one manager because managers are changing all the time, and that's where. Gary Neville said this and I said it on the weekend. He messaged me yesterday. It was like he's using your bars. But I said, it's a career graveyard because players are coming into an old structure. United are misprofiling these players. Same thing with the keeper. Man United needed, because because of them being a top side or trying to be a top side, they're going to play a higher line, a more aggressive style. Then you have a keeper who claims the ball brilliantly, Dean Henderson. He's, he's always talking. And we, we see in his interviews and as much as it annoys people. Confidence, the confidence. Confidence and the arrogance. And that is what you want in your team. You want people to say, this is my spot, I'm going to take it. And when he played 10 games, we have to start being honest here. When he played them 10, 13 games in the Premier League in a row, in one of our best patches post Sir Alex, yeah, we're when we're going to the league. Etihad, the top, when we're going to the Etihad against the team that ended up winning the league, when we're seeing that, okay, we have to start being honest. That was there was that's exactly what you wanted. I'm watching it and be like, it's just like Ramsdale for Arsenal. How many games last season were Arsenal fans on Twitter saying, Oh, I told you guys about they'll be saying, I told you guys this Ramsdale guys, this, this, and that. But the overall point with Ramsdale is he'll grab the ball, he'll throw it halfway up the pitch quickly, or kick it up to Jesus now. We've seen it the did other day. Did you see day. did you see the pass to Jesus? Yeah, and, and then he's been doing that. That is a big positive. I and mean, that's why the Listen, the shot-stopping side of things, yeah, he can improve on. I'll, I'll talk about Ramsdale a bit. I actually believe Dean Henderson's a great shot-stopper. He's he's actually a brilliant yeah, shot-stopper. If anything, I think Dean
0: Henderson's only weakness is, is oh,
1: maybe his his ball playing, ironically. But he's still better than De Gea. And he's and still that, and, and he's very brave with it. And the fact that the way we tried to play against Brentford, funnily enough, you probably couldn't get a better keeper other than maybe Ramsdale because as good as Alisson and Edison are with the ball, they're the best. They don't really have that ag- aggressive style because I don't think Liverpool and City really look for it in terms of looping the ball into that area quickly and booting it up. But Dean Henderson does that very well, where it's like escaping the press in a different and a more aggressive style from the back and straight into the opposition's half. It's just mad to me. like I think... I think as, it's insane. As, it's, 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 sorry to stop you. It's, it's almost, it almost makes me speechless how you know this is the guy's profile. And, and that's, what, that's what confused me when Ten Hag was coming. And Dean Henderson didn't stick around. I thought it was a club decision. Yeah, now that look, interview comes n- to out... To be fair, to be fair, I'll be honest on
0: this one. As much as it... I w- of course, we would have wanted him to be the number one at United. I think his fear was... If I stayed and showed how, g- how good I was in training, I wouldn't have started, but I wouldn't have been allowed yes, to be let ex- go That's either.
1: exactly... That's the point he was making, wasn't he, in the interview? I you know what good thing he's speaking about there. People can have a strop and a moan and a cry on Twitter as much as they want. Well, suck it up. That's football. No, that isn't football. That's Man United lying to players, mismanaging players when Again. they deserve to start. People don't know what's going on behind the scenes. They don't know what the conversation is happening. So let's stop it with all of this. It's, this it's, is how players should be acting up. No, we're letting go of players and claiming their leak and this and that.
0: I, I, think, I think the Dean Henderson is a very good point because I want to get your opinion on this. I don't think the comparison is to be made between David De Gea last season and Dean Henson last season or David De Gea this season and Dean Henderson this season. I think the comparison should be David De Gea right now and Dean Henderson if he had a season of development as the number one. because we, That's a very good point. Yeah. Because the reality is he would have worked on the mistakes. He would have made mistakes. He would have worked upon, on them. He would have been better than he is now already. And and it does not surprise a few, me. A few
1: mistakes because you're trying to do the right thing when your team's in a high line. Neuer did it up until last week. But Neuer's been the most consistent keeper and the best keeper in the world. And he's had some dip seasons, by the way. Was it? He had a bit of a dip. like He went from he being did.
0: kind of clearly the best, had a he bit of a dip, and then now few, he's kind of back at it.
1: Yeah, he was caught in a few times like where he was aggressively coming out for the ball. And it was happening week after week. And you're like, okay, we know that he does that. And he'll have a few in the season where it'll be a howler. Usually not even in a big game. where you have got to be smarter and more controlled. But yeah, with with Neuer, it's like he's got a few mistakes in him in a few moments. But overall, he makes up for it with that aggressiveness where he comes out, where he stamps his authority in the, in the box. And we've seen that with David Rea the other day for Brentford. If United were really about it, they'd go and sign Rea. They'd let Henderson finish his season off.
0: Isn't, it ironic? Henderson
1: as Isn't it ironic, Abdullah?
0: The the two goalkeepers David De Gea has faced in the first two games are both Spanish and both have heard of him in the pecking order.
1: In terms of the goalkeepers, do you see anywhere you want to go? Because I actually want Dean Henderson to come back here. And I actually think Dean Henderson is exactly what you need next season. Just because of his, again, I'll mention the point, because of his arrogance in his style the way he talks the way i want my keeper to be like that and you know what as much as Jordan pickford will make a few mistakes and stuff like that and and that will happen i just think why he's done very well for england and why he stepped up because i think that team's needed that in the, in the in the you know the defenders have needed to hear that when when he's in his goal need that aggressiveness that coming out and you know having that personality about you as a keeper you really need that so who do you see that we can get now do you just I don't I'll, I'll, know.
0: I'll, my, my, m- so my opinion is this. I think Dean Henson has what it takes to be the number one. Yeah, I'm not kind of sure. I think you need a full season of him being number one at United to make that decision. The problem I see is this. The level United need is at least someone like a, the level of Loris or Mendy at least to challenge. Mm-hmm. You're not going to buy that on the market. As a proven goalkeeper, someone like Minion from AC Milan for at least £60 million. The reality is next summer United are not going to have a budget spend of that much, maybe in the whole market, never mind just on one position. So I think Dean Henson has to come back and be the number one out of necessity because we're not going to spend the money, sadly. In terms of this summer, back up for David De Gea, the sad reality is, and, you know, David De Gea fans won't like this, but the sad reality is almost any goalkeeper in the Premier League is an upgrade. We were linked with McCarthy the other day. McCarthy has better statistical uh, points than David De Gea in so many categories. That's the reality. And uh, D- David De Gea just doesn't, doesn't compare the reality. And, and I think we're finally seeing that a lot of people who support De Gea because the emotional connection of how good he was half a decade ago are finally starting to realise it. I want to leave us with some numbers on this David De Gea debate. Because if people are still in doubt, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. David De Gea stops 3.4% of the crosses that come into him. That's in the bottom 4% of goalkeepers in the top five leagues. He has 0.26 defensive actions outside the penalty area. That's in the bottom 5%. He has 26 touches per game. That's in the bottom 1%. And let's come to his shot-stopping. He has a save percentage of 68%. That's in the bottom 44% in Europe's top five leagues. David De Gea is no longer a world-class goalkeeper. And if Manchester United have any ambition of of challenging, they need to answer the goalkeeping question um, now. And if not now, then then at least next summer. Um... I think I think we'll put that on ice until next week because let's be honest, that Liverpool game is not is not looking great great for us. Who knows though? You know, we beat them, we go above them, that'll be that'll be quite funny to be fair. Moving on, um I wanna I I wanna bring us on to something that's kind of gone under the radar this week. Um and, and I wanna talk about it specifically after that Jesus performance, which was absolutely kind of incredible. You know, two goals, two assists. Um, uh, amazing performance from from Gabi Jesus for Arsenal. Um, but Pep was asked on creativity versus freedom on Friday, and his answer was: It's a good debate, but tactics help express talent. I use tactics to create patterns. Everyone can be more comfortable. If I can create more chances for the striker to score, that's a tactic. I don't say I don't say do whatever you want because that's chaos. Tactics isn't against creativity for players, it's easier for them, and we are seven seasons together so it's not difficult. Now, he's right, it is an interesting debate because we've seen a number of players that leave City and thrive in their own way. Maybe maybe the team itself doesn't thrive sometimes, but the players themselves thrive and look amazing, as we're seeing with Jesus. And the opposite, where players look amazing, go to City, don't look as good, but fit in a system that works and wins do you think that um a system whether it's peps or another managers to work has to take away from uh, a player's talent
1: i think peps like a a certain type of extreme where you 99 percent of the time you see the positive effect and you that's a nice statement actually the fact that he says it makes it easier for the players and that's probably facts man like as much as the players sometimes want to linger on the ball a bit more and try beat a man and do this and that it's just about progressing into certain areas on the pitch creating certain patterns that are going to get you the end result in the end and going to get you three four five goals as we see city comfortably do a lot of the time throughout the seasons especially under pep guardiola but i think he spoke about you know how if you just let players you know express themselves it can be chaos da-da-da. I think that's the slight element where sometimes you need chaos. You, when you look at that Real Madrid game... There's beauty in the chaos sometimes. Sometimes, yes. And I think this is why I think Pep shouldn't... He should never budge on what he's trying to do because, obviously, you win title after title. You go far in the Champions League. But there's times where it does... You just miss it. And I think when you look at the Champions League, the game against Madrid, you just wanted someone to, to really express themselves. Literally like beat a man then try, you know, try something different. And that's why when your Mares is and your Grealish is, they just, they will get the end result. They'll get goals. They'll get assists. But it's the, the way they do it. They do it in a completely different way. Any it's like other a team. controlled experiment, the way they do it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just think, you know what it is When, an interesting point now, you mentioned Jesus. I wanted to talk about Sterling and Jesus, actually, before I came here. something that's, that I've been thinking of. And, you know what's crazy? Like when I've been watching Jesus and Sterling's game, and this is, you know, to be fair, this is where you got to put your hands up, you know, say, "Oh Pep, like what he's done with them." Because Jesus, when he's getting on the ball the other day in that Leicester game, just so clean with his passing, shifts it out his feet, makes the right decision. A lot of the time in the City team, it doesn't really show because everyone on the team's doing it. Sterling the other day when he set doesn't up, stand out. Yeah, it doesn't stand out because everyone on that team is doing it. Reese James, when Sterling set up Reese James, I know it was a simple pass wide, but the game before against Everton, they might have threaded through balls. The one where I think Broger had come on and he was going clean through on goal, then he got hooked down. That was a three ball from from uh, Sterling. I think he might have played Mount or someone else through as well earlier in that game. You start seeing things that you're like, I didn't really notice that at City because everyone does that. or oh, they'll be in the end of that. But I think that's where you're like, that's why if you're pulling some of these City players, it could be to the gain of these teams and um do part. you think
0: it's um do you think it's a case of different systems make a different type of player stand out more because looking at that city system i feel that's a system where de bruyne it, it will thrive and it will be clear that he thrives um i look at the liverpool system it's a system where Mohamed salah thrives and he's he's he thrives because of the system i was saying to a friend of mine yesterday comparing Ronaldo and Salah last season, even though both scored a similar amount of goals, I was making the point that Ronaldo did it by making himself the system, whereas Salah did it within a system. Do you think that s- s- uh, certain systems make certain players look better? Yeah. Um, e- even going back to Manchester United and Deleuze going Solskjaer that made Bruno and Rashford look look amazing, for example. Do you think it's a case of just some players look better in some systems?
1: Yeah, it depends. Like, for example, you, you mentioned a point because we've seen it up close as United fans of Bruno Rashford it's like certain patterns that are created and then they just become, you know, the way of playing. Like we've seen that Bruno, Rashford, Bruno hits the channel, finds that Rashford. Newcastle goal, man. The, like the it combination. Feels so as well. long ago. But, but the, the issue is, is again, like sometimes you have like someone like Grealish where Aston Villa, it was just about give him the ball, get him in the best position, get him in the th- final third. And then he can run out his man and he will take three, four players out of the game. Then he'll have a shot or he'll thread, some, like thread a ball. Because that's what Villa wanted. That's what Villa needed because he can transition a lot easier because you're Villa, you're not City. You know, teams aren't going to sit deep. Teams aren't going to, you know, it's, it's do a different, certain things. It's a different challenge that, that the players are facing. Exactly. And and the thing is, with someone like Grealish, what I've liked about Pep, which I've seen with Mares, is a lot of the time those players eventually start finding their game again within the system. I don't know if you noticed that. That's something I noticed with Maras.
0: On Grealish, do you think he would look better if Bernardo Silva left and he took the Bernardo Silva position?
1: Um as on advanced eight. What I've always seen Grealish in terms of where his future is as a player as an advanced number eight. That's why I've always seen him because I feel like especially in a team like City that dominate the ball and you got hard workers off the ball like himself to be fair grealish and kevin de bruyne and rodri there's one you know one of the best holding midfielders we've seen in the last four or five years in the game like when you look at that i, I feel like Greedish just fits that model That's a good point now you make like if bernardo goes and that's why maybe they're stressing so much because in that role of, of course you got Gundogan in there but i don't know i, I just feel like grealish Maybe in that area can be a bit more explosive because I think when he's already in a deeper position, maybe receiving is not on the shoulder of the defender. I think City would look in better shape, actually, if they play Grealish maybe on that left of a three. De Bruyne is the right high eight, him on the left high eight, and then Foden out wide. Um, the only thing is, again, City like having the options off the bench and like having the options that he can rotate. Um, and let's be honest, just going to be another season of of them dominating.
0: Um, we'll quickly move to across the pond uh, on a couple of quick topics there, there's been a bit of a slow week you know the NBA is still in this summer camp um, and the NFL is gearing up towards preseason I want to get your opinion on um, Aaron Rodgers uh, course. I know you're not the biggest NFL fan but I still want to get your perspective on it um, and, and kind of even draw the comparisons to football even um, Aaron Rodgers was talking about preseason and how he feels that for the top players um, it, can also, it can almost be a waste of time in the initial Stages because of the risk of injury, and obviously in the NFL as a more kind of dangerous contact sport, uh, you can almost understand uh, why he would think that. Um, what are your thoughts on on preseason as a whole, and maybe how how it's it's used in the NFL? Do you think that um, it's something that could be changed, or do you think it's just a case of um, the players just keeping? I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind. That. What are your thoughts on um, his comments? And do you think that um, preseason preseason uh, is something that should be taken lightly or do you think it's something that they should commit to more, uh, even though it can carry a physical toll?
1: I think, obviously, I'm not very clued up on the NFL. Like, I've watched ballers in the past and stuff like that. But in terms of how the NFL is, I don't really know. I think it, it depends. In Each sport changes, but I think if we connect it to football... There is that risk of injury, so you understand that. Um, if the players are already in a system, we've seen a lot of the time where Ronaldo sometimes this is pre season now. I know this season a lot of pre season was a lot to do with like you know him wanting to move there, de- the de- But we've seen him the likes of Neymar, Messi sometimes have longer patches away as the main guys. Is that more down to? Let's try and just keep them fit, and then we'll play them the odd game and odd minutes here and there before the season starts, and so like Super copper or the Community Shield. Duh, duh, duh.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the the point he was. So trying to So it's the risk make.
1: factor, I think, more and and I sort of yeah, I understand where I he's think uh, from yeah,
0: now. I think that's the point he was trying to make is that um, essentially the top players don't really kind of get a lot of game time during preseason, um and uh, and the kind of the, the clubs always try and protect them as much as they can, understandably because of the physical nature of the game. Um, I d- I do think that the problem with with his comments, despite them being true, and despite probably the majority of NFL players agreeing with him, I think the problem with it will always be that if you don't spend that time practicing in a real life environment, you are going to start the season slow. Um, we've seen obviously the the NFL preseason gear up, and it's probably been one of the biggest preseasons they've they've ever had. It's it's going to be an interesting interesting kind of uh, build up. We've seen um, the Bills looking uh, pretty good so far. Um, uh, Obviously, they could potentially add Odell Beckham Jr. to their side. Um, Who's your favourites this year for the NFL? Do you see uh, another season of Tom Brady carrying on at the top level that he's at? Or do you reckon that Patrick Mahomes, for example... Is 40 now? He's 45 now.
1: 45? That's how I've not got a clear about it. Outrageous, isn't it? But 45, I thought he was 40 and I thought he was doing a good job. 45. Yeah, and there's already talk of him wanting to leave as well, to be fair. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, obviously I've not watched a lot of NFL, but insane amounts of quality. Like when you just, just just from the the little bits I've watched, just 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 levels, just levels. And and obviously I'd I'd actually want to get into NFL and hopefully throughout the season when I'm back here, I'm a bit more clued up. I'm
0: going to get you into it. Moving on to something that you will know more about. The NBA, a uh, slow, slow week obviously because we're in the middle of the summer season. Mm-hmm. But a um, big piece of news that has come out is that um, LeBron James is currently in talks with Rob Pelinka and the Lakers to extend for a further two years. He's eligible for a ninety-seven million dollar max, I believe. What do you do? You think that LeBron staying at the Lakers is probably the right decision, or do you think that maybe he should be kind of looking looking at a move to a team that could contend? Um, for the title, because we we have to look at it both ways. I think with LeBron,
1: not just from a st- sporting point of view, but also from a lifestyle point of view. When I'm looking at LeBron and the Lakers situation in general, they got a, on paper strong roster. I think we can all agree. Um, but I don't know where where the Lakers really go from here. I think he he really has to analyze it because it's again he's coming to the tail end of his career. Um, he has to make sure that he makes the right decision for his career but again you mentioned like a lifestyle thing you know being out in l.a you know his family could be comfortable there the money's good i mean is he gonna get that money elsewhere i don't know i don't know how that works in terms of you know can any other team offer him that level of contract yeah it's also the business side of things because of course we've seen him now like we watched last
0: week um hustle he's more involved in the hollywood side of things now producing Mm -hmm. movies I think the lifestyle in LA is, is a big attraction for him. But he's a winner, isn't he?
1: Like LeBron is an absolute winner, bro. And I I love the first NBA season I properly watched was, you know, him and Kyrie ripping it up for the Cavs and why they became two of my favourite players, you know, no matter what happened, you know, how, you know, Kyrie ended up, you know, going Boston and the Nets did the derbot those two guys just stood out for me and, and, and I've just been following their careers ever since in terms of what they were doing. And I was quite late. I always kept an eye on the NBA in the past, obviously, when he was in the heat, uh, Miami Heat, sorry, and, and stuff like that. But in terms of LeBron, he just always feels like he wants to win. You know, he didn't want to just come back to the Cavs for the sake of... Yeah, the and Cavs. I don't think he's going to go for them now just for the obviously, sake of it either. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think he'll go back to the Cavs. But even, he though, can- even though some people
0: argue that if he does, he has a better chance than LA because they have a young roster now that while LA don't have any kind of young I think blood the, let's that suits name it. LA's
1: <laughs> roster, bro. I mean... Let's, like n- I, let's name it. LeBron, Westbrook, Russell,
0: and uh, AD. Who else? AD.
1: <laughs> but I'm saying those are three major names, bro. Yeah, but... but are telling me... Maybe, major, you know, like, maybe that's major man, I, I, at well, their prime. Major at their prime.
0: I think, I think the... I think for me, uh, as the Lakers are currently... Um, put together I, d- I can't see them challenging especially if if Russell and AD have a season like they did last season LeBron to his credit despite his age is performing at an elite level still the problem is the other two and the bigger problem is even if you were to trade Russell you're not going to get anything um, so yeah I, th- I think for me personally I think if LeBron was to want to challenge he would leave yeah, I, 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 think I think LeBron signs. I think LeBron signs that deal, uh, stays at Lakers. Cause I think the lifestyle number one, number two. I think he believes there's enough of a chance for them to challenge. I don't think they will, but um, I think that ultimately that that's the decision he's gonna end up making. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Two Halves Show. I wanna give a big thank you to Abdullah. Thanks, bro, for for joining me this week. It was a
1: pleasure, bro. Thank you.
0: Thank you guys for listening uh, to us this week. Uh, Be sure to like, follow, uh, subscribe uh, and share. Leave your comments, your opinions uh, on our opinions and we'll be sure to include them on the next episode. Until then, keep it locked.